Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, your home of Brandon, Dan, Nick, and guest of the day, uh, D. Peasy. David from We Ain't Got No History, longtime friend, uh, travel buddy, uh, but not not so much recently, obviously, <laughs> but it's great to have you back. Uh, how you been surviving not only the quarantine, but uh, <laughs> these flurry of matches here at the end? Hey, something to keep us busy during all this time. It's kind of <laughs> nice. Oh, thank you for having me back. It's good to be back. <laughs> that, that's a formality. I mean, we just, thankfully, we've exchanged pleasantries before this. Um, Nick... Eternal pessimist, man of no predictions. This is going to be a tough one for you to get through based on all of the things that happened leading up to this match in your world. It is not going to be a tough one for me to get through. In fact, there will be vindication. There will be strategy. There will be a sense of belonging. Um, you know, it's <laughs> if you watch the match preview, you'll know that um, that some, some things actually went right for me on a prediction standpoint from a lineup perspective, so... I'm Aren't we more concerned? Yeah, I, I that saw that. That was went... a quality call. Boom. Isn't Boom. it better that things went right for Chelsea, though? Less so that sure. they went right for you? Not on this yeah, podcast. You things, know this is things all haven't gone. Memory. Hold up. Things have not gone right for me in a prediction in years. Like, this was a 
This was nice. And Chelsea won, so super. You keep predicting losses, which would be why. So I think I'll put that on you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I only tease. Uh, real quick, let's get through our thanks because we have a few people today. Jordan and Luis joining Patreon. A massive thanks. You've already gotten in and experienced your first match day on Discord, and it was lovely with this W. Uh, Dan, Apple Podcast, the, uh, we're lobbing, lobbing shots back and forth, aren't we? Yeah, Mike Ryan Ruiz and uh, Chris W. of the Chelsea Mic'd Up podcast continuing to try to garner more five-star love. But, uh, you know, you're all doing a great job, listeners of the show. So BZCFC, Byron Gale, uh, the letter C, and a bunch of other vowels and consonants. Uh, J Mason 99, Jordan Moss, double up with the Patreon and the Apple Podcast oh. Review in the same week. Spinner Hall, Steve Jolie 11, and then Zooming Glands. All with five-star reviews. Uh, you should leave one right now while you're doing this podcast right. and uh, say thanks, David, for uh, for David for being here. You should do it for that reason. So it should be a six-star review, really. It should, <laughs> but uh, the system doesn't. Unlocked six-star <laughs> reviews. <laughs> Nick, um, obviously, we always appreciate more follows in case... I'd be really surprised if anyone listening isn't a follower unless they refuse to use social media in any capacity. Uh, we haven't. We haven't reached a million followers yet, so there's plenty of room to grow. Um, subscribe on YouTube. We are almost at six. We'll probably be at 6,000 by the time this releases, but uh, we're growing there. Uh, Twitter and Instagram at London Blue Pod. Please go give us a follow. I had a nice little back and forth from my personal account with Dan on the pod account today. So there's there's bants, tons of bants. Yeah, well, that was pretty exciting, actually. And, you know, we're a pretty decent following social media. I do have to toot my own horn a little bit since I don't do any of it. You're welcome, people. Um, All right, but look, the reason you showed up today is the match review. And it was a big one. Look, we're taking on Manchester United, who's beaten us with the help of VAR three times this season. This time, we're in the FA Cup semifinal, playing at Wembley at an empty stadium, minus some executives. Uh, Final score, believe it or not, Manchester United won which is a gift, to Chelsea 3, which was well taken. Um, really, really surprised about that. All right, Dan, do you want to hit the first tweet, really set the stage for this thing? You know, I, I loves me a good Opta Joe tweet. Opta Joe speaks to my heart, and uh, this one is one. Chelsea the first side to beat Manchester United since Burnley in the Premier League back in January ending United's 19-game run, unbeaten run in all competitions against a P.E. coach or potentially Smeagol in disguise, concluded hashtag M-U-N-C-H-E. Yeah, I know. It broke Twitter rules, too. Six-star podcast reviews, long tweets. 300 characters. (laughs) New new privileges for those uh, verified accounts post-hacking. Uh, which is is pretty nice. This is about the only time I ever want to be compared to Burnley, Nick, and be okay with it. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, man. I, I actually hadn't realized that Burnley was the last team to beat them. That's uh, disappointing. You just wait least. until uh, Nick Pope shows up on our doorstep. You can't wait. Would, would be thrilled. Uh, my favorite one was that Chelsea's first goal came in the 56th minute and their second goal came in the 46th minute. Bit bit of a mind bender as you're trying to keep track of everything through this one, PZ. Uh, 11 minutes of stoppage time in the first first half for obvious reasons with the injury. Um, but I, I think overall, you've got to say, United were in great form. I was nervous coming into it. 
What, what I mean, I'm sure you were super confident knowing. Oh, yeah. Always <laughs> confident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I suppose none of us really expected it just because um, Chelsea have had this habit of playing up or down to level of competition. And mm. the one exception to that has been United basically all season. Whenever we faced them, we just kind of decided not to play. And the first game, we played him well and ended up losing 4-0 anyway. So I'm not sure anybody's really anybody was really that confident. And I know every bookmaker favored United, just as every bookmaker favored City. And instead, we have uh, Chelsea beating Arsenal in the final in a couple weeks or next week. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, you know, I think as, as people have been saying, it's kind of tough to beat a team four times in, uh, in one season. Incidentally, the last team to do that to Chelsea has or was United back in, uh, 2011 in Ancelotti yeah. season, as we might remember. Uh, so eventually, you know, maybe just regression in the mean or whatever, but Chelsea, you know, I think we played really well and United actually played really badly. Uh, for most of the first half you know we're gonna run through lineup and stats uh but we will circle back to uh impacts of managers because i think it was a wild tale of two completely different stories today so dan run us through the lineup and the subs bench because well nick wants you to no nick wants to because he was proven right and the fact that willie caballero gets the start between the sticks we saw as p rudiger and zuma in a back three yes return of the conte era tactics Alonzo, Reese James, sponsored by three, <laughs> Kovacic, Jorginho, and then we had Mount, William, and Giroux. Uh, we saw substitutes of Rue lost his cheek, Tammy Abraham, Pedro for potentially a salon song there, and Callum Hudson-Odoi, Emerson Palmieri, Keppa, Andres Christensen, Christian Pulisic, and Fakayo Tomori, all unused substitutes in this match, Brandon. Yeah, good to at least see Fick back on the bench, even though we know he's battling some fitness issues. No Barkley, which I think caught everyone off guard a little bit uh thankfully didn't need him which i didn't even notice yeah which i was not expecting um all right nick just a little bit longer team stats chelsea's 12 shots to united seven our seven on target to their three our 49 percent possession to their 51 our 18 fouls to their nine and only one yellow card which will be a fun talking point a little bit of those later. were actual fouls that's yeah. what i want to know not again highly questionable around on that one uh but nick with the formation being called right the majority of the lineup being called right and kind of the the top line stats giving a picture of what the game was like how did it feel what did it look like i mean it was it was a dominant performance to to be completely honest with you like part of the reason i thought a 343 might work going into this is because Clearly, our back four against a counterattacking team this year has been uh, not a good solution to that problem. So doubling up on the wings, providing a little bit more depth, and basically seeding the fact that the midfield was was going to be kind of controlled by United, but pressing them so that they didn't advance the ball through the middle, uh, it all worked. I mean, and frankly, the fact that United tried to mirror what they knew was coming in a, in play a three was hilarious and showed me that Ole didn't have a single answer to what we were going to throw at him. Um, United haven't played a three back uh, as much as Chelsea have this year. And it really showed, I mean, they looked really disjointed and I think Chelsea just did a incredible job of being disciplined 
in their approach and not overexerting at times. Like the press was instituted every once in a while, but it wasn't necessarily the, the most consistent thing that we've ever seen. And it was a kind of an errorless performance minus Cal's penalty at the end. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm really happy for the guys. I mean, it, especially given recent results, this was an excellent, excellent performance. I think it was the best performance of the season. Yeah, I was surprised when you you put that in writing and sent that to us. Obviously, it's a that's a <laughs> bit of a big claim, but w- the timing of the season probably elevates it though too. Is, is it? I mean, this is a team that we haven't beat for in three tries this year, and we completely snuffed them. Like it, their chances going into like the last fifteen minutes of the match were like one on target. I mean, this was a team that scored a bunch of goals since the restart. They were arguably the best team on form heading into this uh, into this round. So yeah, I don't think it's that true. big of a stretch. I think you know this and Spurs are going to be what you know Spurs away are going to be what people look at as kind of class performances. I think this was better personally. Hey, that that's nothing wrong with that. Well, let's formalize kind of your talking point there about Lampard's tactics. Obviously, he prevented Manchester United and OGS from running up. A 4 nothing head start in the club legend is managers for those in club's rivalry. It just was not going to be their day today. And I think a lot of it, you know, PZ is what we talked about, was the the lineup. I was surprised that United went 3-4-3 three, three in, their, in their formation. I mean, I don't think they've done it with Bruno Fernandes in the team because usually they need Modic and someone else behind him to let him go do his thing. So... Like I said, I think it was kind of a tale of, or, or, you know, a match of two two sides where Ole completely messed up his tactics, and Frank, it was just spot on. And probably credit to the players for being disciplined and executing yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I we kind of had a, an advantage in that, like, half the team remembers this formation from Conte's time. And we did, it was basically Lampard did a Conte on this one, as much as I like to say, bring everything back to Conte. But this was the same lineup, the same tactics with, uh, you know, emphasis on wing play, uh, loading, overloading the box and, and putting, putting balls in instead of just settling in for the usual U-shape passing around the penalty area. So I, we probably had that advantage. I have no idea what uh, United were trying. Uh, you know, I'm sure they'll point to the fact that they had two days less rest um, than oh, they Chelsea. Will. If you can, if you can call it, if you can call anything rest when you're paying, you know, you've spent the last month playing every three days. I don't think it really matters that much. But you know, he he rotated all his basically all his big guns out and left Rashford out on an island and tried to hit him a couple times. But uh, I think Lampard said after the game that we were ready for that, and that was it. And you know, he didn't. It's not a complicated uh, strategy, and and United had been struggling. And against Norwich, even though they still got the win, so it's uh, you know they also United also had two extra days to prepare for Palace than than we did for Norwich. I mean, like they, they can yeah, I mean, it evens bi- out. I mean, yeah, they can bitch and moan all they want, but the fact of the matter is that the VAR and the Premier League have been on their side more than any other team this year, and to roundly <laughs> and thoroughly beat them in an FA Cup semifinal uh, brought. A ton of joy to all of us. I mean, this is a team that we love to hate. And although they haven't been the most pressing rival for us in, in maybe the last five years due to their terrible form, um, it's still great to beat them. Yeah, they unfortunately didn't get the the call on the Zuma tackle of Martial, which oh, yeah. yep. which could have could have 
could have been, uh, you know, reviewed and maybe given the other way. But whoever was running VAR, which was, uh, I think Michael Oliver was the, mm -hmm. the, the video referee today. He, <laughs> he apparently dismissed it pretty quickly. So there you go. Not their day and it was our day. Dan, what about you as far as tactics and, and lineups and the way it kind of all flowed? I just enjoyed it. It was great to see a Chelsea side just look so comfortable throughout an entirety of a match. You know, even in the beginning phases when we were kind of pressing in and, and maybe not kind of converting some of our shot opportunities, uh, you know, uh, uh, Giroud had you know kind of an opportunity early. Mason kind of had an opportunity. Uh, the way that you saw. Uh, Reese in the beginning minutes of the game looks super composed, kind of integrating with Azpilicueta was fantastic. Getting to see uh, a refreshed Alonso uh, making some some great forward runs and really just never looking like they were bothered. Just the composure that the team had, it, it looked like a, they just knew everything that was going to happen. Um, and that's something I don't think we've seen very often from this team. You know, I think PZ kind of talked about the whole yo-yo type of results that we have, that if it's a lower table team, we play like we're looking to get promoted from the championship. And if we're playing Liverpool for some reason, we look like the, the best team in all of European football or world football. And this is one of those moments where we played to the level of, I actually played better than the level of competition. And I think that was the thing I enjoyed most, Brandon, was just that this is this is on the resume of results this season. It, it spurs away. I think it's the the comeback, uh, you know, against Ajax and in this match are probably the three that really stand out to me as just examples of what Frank can do. I think to your Ajax example, it would be a lot sweeter if we didn't dig such a massive hole and then get our mm. way back. Sure, even. but, but sometimes point, you have to you have to have, be able to punch result. back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Can't come back from two goals down unless you go two goals down first, <laughs> or three goals down, I should say. So I was kind of interested in this when I when I went when I went back and uh, listened to the pre-match press conferences from Lampard and and Solskjaer, and essentially Lampard was confident, you know, saying it's a cup, we're going to Wembley, it's a big deal. He's like, you know, we're a big team for the occasion, you know, talking up his side essentially, and then obviously playing the mind games of telling VAR not to continue ruining the season for everyone else. And then Solskjaer does his later and has his little stats backed up about VAR, you know, about how, if anything, Manchester United have, you know, been screwed over by VAR. Look at all these instances. <laughs> like, it, it should be way better. And it's just funny listening to his, his sense of entitlement. But then as he talks about the preparation, he's like, oh, we haven't had the two days preparation. We've got this injury or that. He just sounded like a victim. And what I what blows me away is that Manchester United fans and club personnel alike love to boast that they're the biggest club in the Premier League. Financially, you are. On the pitch, you are not. And when you have a manager already making excuses before the match about why it's not fair and all these things, it's a small club mentality. And so I actually was starting to feel pretty good. I'm like, the players listen to that. They're going to hear about, oh, how you're tired and how you know we've got this going against us. And it seemed like to, to play out today because as the game went on, United just quit. There was no fight. There was no passion. There was no real interest from them. And you look, and I know that like Lampard will get heat because he'll just sit there with his arms crossed on the dugout and won't really do anything. Dude, Solskjaer, I don't know if he even said a word. He just sat there and took it himself. And so for me, I, I felt really good about being able to, uh, you know, boast in that glory and bask in, in their 
patheticness really as the game just dithered out. Well, I think I think the real question is, what does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have on his iPad? Is it uh, Disney Plus? Is it Hulu? <laughs> like, what is he watching? At the Watches time? that ninety nine he... final on repeat. Yeah, he probably does. <laughs> That's all he does. I mean, L- Lampard uh, did show a little bit of a uh, press. Uh, Nouse in this one, right? Like he mm-hmm. pulled, he did the Mourinho thing. Yeah, he got, he got love the softball. I mean, it, okay, let's not pretend that Lampard brought VAR up, you know, on his own. He was asked about it, and then he saw an opportunity, having learned from the master himself, to yeah, he put a little extra he knew he was going to be asked about yeah. it, though. Uh, like, sure, but... it's a natural thing because that's what was in the press all week leading up to it. So, I mean, I have many issues with such questions, but. Once you're asked such a question, you might as well take advantage of it and <laughs> oh plus, yeah, and yeah. make the right right noises. But you know, I mean, well, that's how the journalists get to ask a follow up. It's like, all right, we'll scratch your back if you scratch ours. Like, fine, softball. Right, right. All right, my next question though: Do you feel that this has been unfair to this uh, <laughs> against your team? Well, what is he supposed to say? No, actually, I think Manchester United. All of these question goals have been correctly <laughs> awarded, and I commend all the video referees for their hard work. Look, Lampard's always going to put it into an open net, so we're not surprised that he decided to go ahead and Fair take play, that yeah. question for yeah. all it was. Oh, yeah, sometimes he'll you know go for a hopeful shot from range and hope for a deflection. Um, so yeah, you know, continuing the kind of the Antonio Conte, um, you know, references here, Lampard mm-hmm. totally embracing it. One v one is press in the opening minute made it difficult for United. We saw them struggle against the press against Southampton. So again, that was just another tactical change that we did against United. And again, when I just talk about them being disinterested, they would like swing it across the back line, not have an option. They would just kind of lob it and it didn't, didn't go anywhere. And obviously Danny James isn't going to win anything. Rashford's not really going to win anything. So it was just easy for our three center backs to eat it up and recycle it back down. So I thought that that was also a good or like an obvious change that they had done. Uh, Lampard even talking about it. He said that the, uh, uh, from the Chelsea FC Twitter handle, said that the team worked very hard in the last two days on countering Man United running in behind and also getting and also on getting players into midfield to make tackles. Um, and that's really exactly what we saw. And then here comes the hype train from Joe Tweeds, right? Back three oh. FC, tweet number one. And tweet number two, Lamps channeling Conte in parentheses, Quote, oh, you think three four three is your alley? No, you need to do you need to do the bane yeah, voice to... or don't do it at all. Oh, you think three four three was your alley? But you really adopted the three four three. I was born into it, molded by it. I don't see it back four times I was a man, and by the time there was nothing but blinding. And the back three betrays you because it belongs to me. <laughs> I hope you had that written See? down. That was amazing. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So obviously, oh, okay, good. Tweed snagging that and uh, repurposing it, it quite well. Dan, your your self sacrifice is noted for the pod, and we appreciate that. <laughs> it's what it's what I wanted them. This is what I wanted them to do today, though. And what I thought was impressive was not necessarily just like the wing play, which I thought was excellent. And of course, you get Reese and Marcus Alonso with nothing but free space, and it's going to be pretty dangerous. But the midfield of, you know, which we'll get to, the midfield pressing was excellent and it made the whole thing work. So, I mean, the, the it, this is a different 3-4-3, by the way, than what Conte played, uh, Conte played when he was at Chelsea. Uh, it's a much higher pressing, attacking, find gaps in between their lines type of thing instead of circling around a bunch of times. 
So I did want to make yeah, it's that different because you didn't have N'Golo Conte. I mean, we all say he's worth two players, Peasy. I was pretty interested in watching that Kovacic, Jorginho, two man midfield and seeing how they were going to do in this situation. Well, it was Kovacic and Kovacic, but you know, it worked well. <laughs> Hold up, though. I mean, let's let's not give let's not do the hey Jorginho is terrible narrative here because I actually think he played a pretty excellent discipline game. And if you're if you're at the end of the game after 80 minutes or so, and he's still chasing down uh, Man United defenders to try and press the ball, I mean, I, I thought it was a, an impressive performance. Maybe the passing wasn't where it needed to be. You could argue that, but I think he him and Kovacic, be, yeah. yeah, have a they have an understanding when they're together in that situation. So they look pretty good. It was it was solid. Every once in a while, we see Jorginho give a hint of being able to do something other than just what he's known for. And this was one of those instances where you think, oh, maybe he is more of a complete midfielder than he's being given credit for by certain people on Twitter. But um, yeah, I mean, it's I'm not I'm kind of joking. I don't really mean to take anything away from Jorginho. I think he was good enough to play next to Kovacic today. I think Kovacic was excellent. I am, however, biased a little bit towards uh, the man because I really like him. And I've liked him since he came to Chelsea throughout the first year when people didn't necessarily see uh, all his qualities or he wasn't allowed to show all his qualities, depending on how you uh, interpret <laughs> that situation. Uh, but no, I mean, Jorginho is, I guess I'll, I'll give him credit for the best way I can give him credit is that we didn't really notice him. And anytime you dominate a midfield and you don't really notice your midfielders, I think is a good situation. We obviously channeled our attacks down the wings instead of through the middle, which was a smart decision. We didn't need, uh, you know, he, Jorginho did the one, once I think he did his, you know, first time ball over the top type of thing where you would notice him. But otherwise, he pressed well enough. He kept the ball moving and that's yeah, pretty much all we needed from him. And the one time he harried uh, Harry Maguire into a turnover was absolute hilarity and probably said more about Maguire than it did about Jorginho himself. But You know it's over, Dan, if you're Harry Maguire <laughs> and you get pressed out of a play by Jorginho. Yeah, that, that's not going to go on his highlight reel, that's for sure. I mean, it's going to go on... Actually, it probably goes on Jorginho's highlight reel. We'll definitely include that. Yeah. <laughs> Pressing. Yeah, 85% pass success, uh, two interceptions. I think he was dribbled once. Um, Kovacic, on the other hand, 86% pass success, uh, three interceptions, um, had a tackle. So, you know, they, they they were lively, though, right? And I think a lot of it came down to the preventative rather than the reactionary type of defensive movements for them. Yeah, and I would also add that, like, you know, the type of players they were facing – um, Bruno, Fernandez, and Fred seem more interested in winning fouls than doing anything actually game-related. And we all know uh, Matic from the time when he was here. He's never going to, you know, go on mazy runs or, or really uh, dominate midfield on the ball. He's going to dominate off the ball, mm -hmm. not necessarily uh, force the, the opposing midfield into changing their or really intervening in the game. So in a way, it worked out well that we had Kovacic and Jorginho being able to pass the ball and keep moving. So he's there to protect Maguire, essentially, right? Like I mean, like and and to me, 
if you know that quantity, right? If you know that he's kind of spoken for already, you know, it's kind of what players or what other teams have done to us this year when Jorginho is kind of the lone man back, which is you don't really have to pay attention to him and, and attacking down the wings neutralizes him anyway, because he's going to have to drop even further back um, to try and recover. So Dan, I, I don't know what you think about that, but it was a smart strategy. Well, the other thing is that they had more ready, ready available or ready made passing lanes in this mode too. You know, so you had Mason coming back, willing coming back, making themselves available. You had Jeru's chest, which was always a landing strip for any type of ball that was anywhere near it. It was coming down. And he was going to be able to at least divert it back to one of the players on our team. Uh, and then you also had, you know, Rudiger and Zuma pushing forward. You could bring it back into James. You could bring it back into Alonso. There, there was always someone who could take the ball from Kovacic or from Jorginho in a way that they don't always, you know, in our standard formation, always have someone readily available on the wings to kind of kick it out to or keep it in. And I think that was, that helped both of them, I think, have a much, much better game in that regard, Brandon. It was kind of, sorry to put in, but uh, I did notice the one thing I was going to point out is the one formation change that we weren't necessarily expecting was uh, in the first half, you can see William complaining every once in a while that the midfield press was lacking. And uh, that being we only play two midfielders and there are three. So it took a few minutes for us to actually adjust to the 3-4-3. So it wasn't completely seamless. But uh, when you could see William look back and like mention like, where is my press in the midfield? And then he figured, finally put it together that we only have two midfielders. One of whom is Jorginho, who was very good. But yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Adapting, just tucking that that backside right. of the front three in a little bit yeah. more centrally to help on the weak side. Precisely. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I love it. You know what? Let's take a real quick break. Uh, thank you to these sponsors for supporting the show financially. When we get back, though, it's the Reese James show. It's the Giroux show. It's the Mason Mount show. We've got a lot of shows and acts to get to. So we'll be right back. All right. Kovacic with the midfield performance right at home about. And we did. But... To his side, we had Reese James. Uh, from a stats perspective, Naz, our friend at goal.com, uh, put out a tweet said, Reese James versus Man United, two shots, two on target, 95.6% pass accuracy, three crosses, 53.8% of his duels won, nine times he won back possession, and he had four interceptions. Um, what I'm most impressed with is that that is not, he didn't have a single role today. This was both sides of the ball that he was effective. Uh, Nick, you talk about vindication. One of the first texts he sent today was he got bodied off the ball. That might have been a wake-up call for him because about after that point, <laughs> he flipped a switch. Yeah, he got he got bodied off by by Williams of all people, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, how how is it possible to run through a Mack truck? That's crazy. Um, he he turned it on though. I mean it. There were times in the first 20 minutes where his he was looked a little shaky, maybe a little inconsistent. But uh, I think once he put in that like weird dipping shot on De Gea, you know, he, he kind of looked good from then on out. And again, because he was given, you know, he had protection behind him with Aspi, you know, who we should get to in a little bit. Um, and he knew that he was going to have either Mason or William running the channel that he could easily make, you know, a pass down. The game looked pretty easy for him, honestly. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of pressing on him. He was able to get back and and kind of defend higher up so that Aspie didn't have, 
uh, you know, kind of Rashford, I guess, would have been on his side running down. And that was what I what I was hoping for, honestly, because we know that United can counterattack. And when Chelsea have as much possession as we did in this game, we've become susceptible to counterattacks this, this year, Dan. And I was really excited to kind of watch him grow into the game, too. I think by the end, he looked like he, he might have scored or, or assisted uh, heading into the last 20 minutes. But um, what did you think? Probably his best game. For Chelsea so far, since the I was, restart, I'm, I'm trying to. I would say ever, since the yeah, restart. since re, definitely since restart. Oh, I was trying to rack my brain around what his other top performances are, but this one, I think, you know, I think you call it accurately. Paired with Aspi behind him, with William ahead of him for the majority of the match, his interchange with the other two players on that right hand side went really, really well. I think made it easy for him and. He, not only was he running the outside channel, but the times that he would run it in and almost kind of be going centrally down the pitch was exceptional to watch too. And if he's given some more freedom and goes up against um, maybe a, a, more of a Keppa level keeper at some point, uh, he's probably going to score a few of those that he's uh, knocking by. That reminds me of a tweet that one DPZ sent. I love that guy. Who's that? <laughs> Would you call him like Davide de Keppa? <laughs> Yeah, you were you were a little spicy on Twitter today, there, Peasy. <laughs> Must have been awake. <laughs> that that probably helps. It was a terrible save. I liked uh, our good pal Jake Cohen's uh, comparison to old Rob Green from the World Cup. Oh, that was pretty similar. I think Rob Green's probably worse, but Way worse. De Gea. Oh, I mean, f- yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but like De Gea is a shadow of himself. You talk about. He's the epitome of not giving any cares in the world. Like, that was such a routine save on Mason Mountain Shot, which we're about to get to. Just couldn't be bothered to put his hands behind the ball. And it was, I mean, just, he two, three years ago, one of the best keepers in the world, hands down. He, he is a shell. And I don't know if he's forcing his way out of United. I don't know if he doesn't like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I have no idea who their goalkeeping staff is. But when that shot went in, I couldn't believe it. I had to take, I had to do a double take, um, especially when he deals with Reese James's shot infinitely better, which was way more difficult. It was just really, really bad to see. Um, so yeah, Reese James, good. Context being that he hasn't had a lot of minutes, so he's still trying to find his rhythm. I think since the restart, and again, this just shows he's a young player. Still learning consistency at the highest level. Um, but for him to be able to step up in another big game like this is a good improvement. I don't think we were hating on Reese James earlier in the restart. It was just like, hey, we saw you play better than this two months ago. We need you to get back to that um, because Aspie was showing him up. And so, again, it's just good to be reminded of what his levels are again because we hadn't seen it in a few weeks. And that's what you need out of players. Um uh, look, Olivier Giroud, on the other hand, has just been in fine form for the most part since he entered the lineup around December. Um, I Look, I know he wasted a lot of chances against Norwich. He's not the most clinical finisher. But I mean, Peasy, the guy's just... he. Obviously, we haven't been able to sign people to be like, he's our number one striker by a long shot right now. Probably not next season. But he's just he's just doing a job for us right now in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
Yeah, we were talking about earlier last week. It was you know for last couple of years, uh, people have been always talking about Giroud as uh, bringing up all his qualities that he brings to the team that doesn't necessarily involve goal scoring, uh, as accentuated by this his whole uh, World Cup campaign where he didn't even have a shot on target, but was essential to France winning the whole thing. So we were always talking about how he brings such qualities to Chelsea, how you know he's a leader on the pitch, off the pitch, veteran, etc., etc. And now all he does is every time he starts, he basically scores. And, I mean, you know, maybe he put a, those six months when he wasn't playing at all to good <laughs> to good use to uh, to get ready for when he's needed. But as what else can you say? He starts, he scores, he makes that near post run, as old Cesc Fabregas pointed out on uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. as... Uh, Giroud being one of the best in the world at that near post run. Got the, the little flick outside of the boot finish that you probably, you know, maybe goalkeeper wasn't expecting and lets it uh, kind of dribble over the line. What more do you need? He's not going to be the, the pressing superstar, but that's why you got Mason Mount. So, yeah, I mean, what, what he provides though is an outlet in this system, right? Especially in the 3 4 3. Um, you know, I think his hold-up play against a, a bigger and possibly stronger Maguire was excellent. Um, he looked, he just looked up for a fight today to me, which is, you know, going into a big game, you just hope that your players bring the same level of passion, you know, that I'm sure Frank Lambar had headed into this one. And Giroux certainly did. I mean, and, and there were, there were three or four other chances that he could have, you know, kind of put the game away. Um, but I don't want to detract from the game that he had, Dan. It was uh, strong. It was uh, physical to me. He he provided a really nice outlet. And for what we needed, he provided. Well, I mean, in the first half, it was, you know, we talked about not being clinical. It was one shot, one shot on target, and one goal. So at least in the first 45 <laughs> minutes, he, he very much executed on the objective, which was see ball, hit ball, score goal. Beat the ball. Naz had also pointed out that Giroud just loves the FA Cup. 29 games, 16 goals, 8 assists. He just, wow. you know, it, it was like Europa last season where he just loved scoring any place that wasn't in England. Uh, now we're <laughs> seeing that he loves scoring everywhere You're saying in Wembley. Wembley isn't in England. <laughs> uh, Wembley is a, a place unto itself, a land of dreams, a land of magic, the land of the FA Cup. I did have a little concern because uh, Giroud lost the first couple of duels against Maguire. And he wasn't getting any calls from mm-hmm. uh, the referee either. So I was a slightly concerned actually at the beginning because it seemed like it, it could have gone really badly for us if, if Giroud get, let that get to him and, and not, not stick to the plan. But uh, as it turns out, he, it was uh, he who won that matchup by quite, quite some distance. Yeah, uh, sure, sure did. Uh, he, yeah, I was just looking at the who scored rankings. I don't go by these as like, you know, the pure truth. But Maguire was a five point eight today. <laughs> Granted, even after wow. the he had no goal. Even after the goal, he had no goal. And and Maguire was wasn't even form. the worst. He wasn't even the worst. Lindelof was an absolute non-entity for them. Also a five point eight. How, I don't even know how that guy gets any time. Giroud is our second best player with eight point one. Our best player, man of the match, Mason Mount. Jorginho. Oh. Ooh, close seventh, uh, but... Close seventh. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you can't do him like that. There's seven There's seven other players on the pitch that did better than him. It's not, you know, 
It was maybe close. close. Anyways, um, Mason Mount, 89 just minutes. Just shows you how bad who scored ratings are and whoever looks at who scored ratings. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, just a ta- it's just Mostly. a talking point. It's just a talking point. 89 minutes because then I don't get blamed for it. One goal, two shots on target, one shot blocked, 100% dribble completion, which is three out of three. 47 touches, 92.3% pass accuracy, five out of eight ground duels, one, an interception, and a tackle. Done. Mason, Mount, have yourself a day. Did you see the Deckers tweet? I'm not pro-Deckers. I'm not on the bandwagon, as Yannick likes to say. Uh, but, you know, he he pretty much gave Mason his own love after Mason tweeted him about uh, Declan's shot from distance. So that's going to happen. We can essentially chalk that up as Declan's coming to Chelsea. That's happened. <laughs> Hundo. Hundo. The, the bromance continues. Oh, my gosh. Anyways, uh, Daniel Dormer, Mason Mount, you, two peas in a pod, had an absolute day for himself. I think you, wow. I can't remember who tweeted it, and that's what I'm coming to you for, but I feel like you were on the bandwagon that you had a feeling Mason was going to do something special today. It was it was about due. This was the, the game to kind of break back into scoring situation uh, he got you know rest for the first time in a really really long time you know he has been a, a, a bit of a talisman i think he you know if lampard called this out in, in post-match that what he does off the ball doesn't necessarily get rated appropriately uh, you know i think it's, it's it's the same way people feel about Jorginho and his passing you know again there, there's there's a, there's a shading to all of this that you know, people stand or enjoy certain players and, you know, want them to get recognition for something. Uh, I think this was very much a moment where everything he did on the pitch today was clear and obvious on the impact it had from pressing and making things difficult, his ability to to cut off passing lanes, uh, to intercept the ball and kind of keep pressure on United, to make it very, very difficult for them to get out of their own half. Uh, I just, in, in general... Uh, PZ, he, you know, he he is doing everything that you would hope for, and is I think cementing him. He's still, in my mind, cementing himself as you know, kind of our player of the year. But uh, with Kovacic as a close second, but uh, you know, you can you can share your opinion. That's an interesting claim, Mason Mount. I think Mason. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not saying interesting is bad. Interesting is you know, I haven't really thought about it, but um, I'd always assume Kovacic would be our player of the year but again i'm a fan uh yeah mason mount uh, as it turns out he is uh, very crucial to the way frank lampard likes to play his football and has been this season and has been last season or was last season with darby county and if if mason has a good day and a good game not ne- doesn't have to be goal or assist or anything like that if he has a good game we have a very good chance of winning and that's been the case basically since the start of the season. And I think it's only going to, uh, that relationship or that cor- uh, correlation is only going to get uh, more obvious as we as we move forward with this whole whole project. It, it is interesting to see, though, Brandon, in a 3-4-3 when he is one of the kind of two attacking midfielders up top that I think even more of his pressing becomes apparent because he's running at a defender with the ball instead of in the midfield trying to close someone down as an eight. And, you know, you kind of harken back to some of our best 3-4-3 performances this year, Um, you know, kind of Arsenal, Spurs, you know, kind of Wolves early season, whatever. When he starts on the left, and not saying that he's going to take that spot permanently, but when he starts on the left, he gives teams a hell of a lot of problems. And, 
you know, obviously he got a little bit fortunate with his goal today, for to say the least. But again, he made that opportunity happen himself. I mean, he made it in the midfield. He intercepted the ball. He ran at a defender. He made a defender make a choice. He made De Gea fall asleep potentially, and and made that goal himself. So I, I was just really give happy with him. Yeah, give give me eyes a little bit. Um, I was happy with that performance, and I I. And I think when we play a three four three, it, it gives Frank a flex option for either William or Pulisic, depending on kind of who has the the most legs to to play. So was under contract at the time. <laughs> that always helps, <laughs> you know. Look, yeah, I mean, and again, I'd like to point out, I think he was surprised that he was so close to the box, and the center backs were still dropping off. I mean, they were at like almost their penalty spot at that point. So he just pulled the trigger, and you. Again, as I'm pulling out your text from our private group chat, you were like, hey, Mason's not on his shooting boots today. And I thought it, but I was at work, so I didn't say it. I was like, he's just got to keep shooting. Like, watch, one of these will go in. I didn't expect that one to go in, (laughs) you know? But he meant to kick the ground. Right, but it did. The one that he powered over was was never going to expect that one. Uh, At the end of the day, like, you got to shoot, you got to, you know. Pick your numbers oh, to yeah, win the yeah. lottery. Michael Michael Scott and Wayne Gretzky will tell you. Yep. Yeah. Can't score if you don't shoot. Yep. <laughs> and he did. Uh, but I, you know, also credit to Mason for playing not an eight, which he has done the last handful of matches since the restart. Really haven't seen him out wide in that situation. And you know, to Pease's point, like his versatility and his understanding of what Lampard wants is they're in touch. They're in sync. It was. It's. It's. That year together was massive. On the telecast, you could hear Lampard multiple times go, good Mason, good Mason, good Mason. Like, you could hear him. Uh, it, it was you know, it was like a father-son type of thing. Um, but it, it was an impressive, flexible performance that oh, he yeah. showed today. And it gave it gave a hugely needed break. To yeah, I mean, it's a, the type of setup that Conte tried to do whenever he moved Hazard into a center forward and getting his left wing to work as hard as the right wing, which wasn't necessarily always the case with old Eden there. Mm-hmm. Obviously he brought different qualities to the table, but the the sort of formation kind of relies on your wingers putting in that work. And there are a few players on this team who are willing to work harder than, than Mason Mount and credit to William. He always puts in the, mm-hmm. the good shift. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and kind of transition our way out of this one. Uh, obviously a ton of good performances. We just picked out some of our favorites. Um, let us know again, who you thought was a standout. I think there's, you know, quite a few shouts, you know, I think Aspie, we didn't really touch on, but we definitely could have, uh, without a doubt. And how about Assist that? Assist Piliqueta to you, sir. Yeah. Assist Piliqueta. I, I saw you literally. Again. It is his best position. You, yeah, it is. You literally third, typed third that out in back. your lineup generator. I saw that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we could all talk just, about. I'm telling you, Willie Caballero, you. who essentially had a shutout. No thanks to Callum mm, Hudson Roy. You can nice, talk about nice flap there on that. Corner. Yeah, you know that's. But hey, he's due for one every match, guaranteed. Completely misjudges a one on one or across. Um, Tammy Rubin coming on, Callum coming on, a lot of different talking points. You know, but at the end of the day, it wasn't about charity minutes. It was about getting the damn result, and that three one felt real good. Uh, how good did it feel doing a Dan of the match poll, Dan, knowing that you really couldn't lose this time? No, it was great. I'm upset. It's, uh, it's so much better when we win. So <laughs> you're upset? Yeah. 
The one hey, time for Dan and the Dan of the match. The one time I try to influence your damn poll, I just get absolutely locked out. Well, you wanted De Gea to be in there, and <laughs> Am I, wrong? I appreciate the chair. Well, I appreciate his charity. Uh, I, I did not feel like it was fair to our uh, wonderful efforts in the blue so shirts. So confused. I thought Brandon was like a card carrying goalkeepers union member. All he's doing is throwing De Gea under the De he's Kepa revoked the membership the bus. Man, you can't. Did you get uh, locked out? What happened? <laughs> Absolutely not. You can't. Forgot to pay your this dues. Fall from grace is is widely Sheesh. noted. All right. Anyway, the uh, players we put in there: uh, Giroud, James, uh, Kovacic, and Mount. The players uh, you in this put poll. in there. <laughs> no. Yeah, the the players it's I put a royal, in there. Um, royal we. The royal we. Uh, uh, Giroud shades Mason uh, by just a little bit here in our official poll: thirty three point one to thirty two point eight. Uh, you can't count on Twitter for anything. So uh, congratulations, you failed. But uh, you might get it right, right next time. No, no better incentive to vote than <laughs> yeah. Please vote next time to hear yourself be disparaged on the podcast. <laughs> you, you absolute failures! Continue to vote. Just it's vote correctly. Motivation. You heard of it? Yeah, vote correctly. Reverse psychology to the nth degree over here. All right. Well, I only do this because I love you. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, well, the table is not a thing here, so we have a bracket as it stands. There's only one left. It's the FA Cup final. Chelsea versus Arsenal. Red versus blue. It is on Saturday, August 1st. My birthday is the second, so I'm going to be cashing in all birthday points on this match mm. to get the result. Um, that's, that's not how birthday points work. I, I'm going to make it. We have to. Uh, it, it will be good, dare I say, to see Arsenal in the final over Manchester City, Oof. even though now Arsenal kind of wiped. Oh, my God. Now, here's the deal. Arte- who who has Please the Pep Guardiola handbook? Please send to Brandon. It would be Arteta. Arteta would have the Guardiola handbook, and he clearly used it. It's like in Waterboy when they in the national title, and he's got literally the other coach's playbook. It's like that. Um, anyways, Naz tweeting, 13 of 16 he FA Cup smart. semifinals won. I said it in the preview, That's right? Wild. Cup specialists. Chelsea know what to do. Manchester United don't know shit. Pretty sure we lost Arsenal in the last FA Cup final, so we, we, we I appreciate yeah. I appreciate your uh, confidence, but somehow uh, they always we're talking about the FA semifinals. Thank you, DPZ. Uh, now I thought this was a great link back, though, is that this is the 50th anniversary of its first success in 1970. Again, it would be a nice silver lining to go with it, but at the end of the day, we don't care if it's our 50th, 37th, 64th. We just want to win the cup. But again, what a fun silver lining. Uh, PZ, what are the odds we're going to wear those kits in the final? We have to, right? Apparently zero. Oh. I'm highly disappointed. Zero, Come for sure. On. I'm highly disappointed that those kits have only been worn once, I want to say. Was that the one yeah, time they wore it in the third oh, round? What forest. a waste. Well, you know how much money we all I mean, spent I'm not on agreeing with this decision. I think this is a terrible decision. I thought the whole idea was that we we're going to be wearing these kits the whole time. And now that, you know, Yokohama or whatever is out anyway, I figured this was the perfect time to wear them today. We didn't wear them today. So I've, I, there's, I think there's very little chance that we wear them in the final, uh, unfortunately. Three. So yeah, I agree. Turns out, turns out it was fully a marketing grab only, not a, they got all my anything money. more significant than that. But hey, 
It is what it is, I guess. Uh, on that, on Arsenal really quick, uh, I'm sure many of you watched their semifinal. They looked uh, really good. I'll, I'll give them credit. I mean, it David was a... Luis. It David was... Luiz showing up with another uh, big game performance every and time. His audacity Dude, I, to I tweeted say it. He, his audacity to say what he said after the match as if he's been on a run of fine form for months. <laughs> Yeah, in his world, yeah. I'm sure he's. Been... We wanted him to work it out of his system, oh my so gosh. he got the good, good performance, the ten out of ten out of his system, <laughs> so that when he comes and plays know, us, man, it's never. It's tough to bet against David Luiz in a cup final. That's semifinals, different story, but final. I think the team, like the, the team that we're going to play in Arsenal in the final, is a far different team than we played earlier this season. They look confident. They look less kind of superstar focused and more kind of team oriented and it, it will be a fight. And, you know, I, I think they're, it's their only chance to do something positive this year. And that's an incredible motivator. So, um, you know, top fours out Europa league looks a little dicey. You know, if they win the FA cup, they're, they're automatically qualified for Europa, which is another thing. So, um, just a, just a thought on them. It's going to be a, a, an absolute battle in the final. Opta Joe Dan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to be like the Europa League final, I doubt it. No, 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 no. no. Uh, Dan, you have another Opta Joe tweet in here. Ooh. 14, Chelsea have reached their 14th FA Cup final. Indeed, only Arsenal 21, including 19, uh, 2019 20, and Manchester United 20 have made the final on more occasions than the Blues triumphant. So, again, this will be Arsenal's 21st appearance in the final. United have 20. Um, that doesn't mean they've won it. That just means they've appeared. So we'll we'll have to see. But I, Nick, I think you have a really smart analysis of the fact that this is a very different Arsenal team. And for whatever reason, things are starting to fall into peace right at the end of the season that I think is going to give them a lot of confidence to do some business this summer and build off what Arteta is doing. And there would be no better way than for them to go to these transfer potential signings and be like, I got an FA Cup. We won something. I know. Do you want to play on Thursday night? Look, I get it, but it, <laughs> winning something in the FA Cup is it'll 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 carry. Think about this: it, it was not too long ago that we were making fun of them for losing to Brighton in the 95th minute after Mope stole the game from them. Like they, they've they've certainly turned it around. I think fans of the show will also note how much I absolutely loathe them. So I really truly want us to uh, embarrass them again in the final. Don't get me wrong. I just think they're going to be a tougher yeah. proposition. And you, and you will know that they did play a back three uh, really mm-hmm. effectively against City, much like we did against United. So it's it's going to be interesting which team plays it better. Yeah. Look, it's going to be massive. Anytime Chelsea play Arsenal is a big one, let alone an FA Cup final. Uh, red versus blue is the, the way those finals usually go. And we got to take care of business and do it. But look, there's still a lot to be done in the Premier League side before that. You know, clinching top four ahead of that is going to be a massive boost. We have two matches left, Liverpool, and then main, and then we have, uh, geez, Wolves at the last last match of the season. Um, so, our, you know, if it were to end with an FA Cup and a top four after having no transfers for two windows, it'd be an unbelievable first season for Frank, like without a doubt. The problem is, being out of the top four and losing an FA Cup final to Arsenal would be a hard way to end that same season. So a lot left on this one. It's on a knife edge. You're saying? Oh my gosh, it is. It is not fun. Um, but yeah, peasy. It was great to see you. Great to hang out, man. We're not going to mention that Leicester lost again today. I mean, we can. And thus, 
Yeah, they, Agent Mourinho they look doing the job. Well, I mean, essentially one win yeah, there you of go. the last two That's right. grants us, you know, Champions League football. So uh, let's hope Liverpool continue to be on whatever beach they're on and <laughs> that we're able to wrap that up before Sunday and make Sunday Half a little drunk. bit more. Let, yeah. let, them, let them celebrate before the kickoff and uh, it will be good. I can tell you that if, if we beat Liverpool on Wednesday, I will be fully drunk. That's the proposition I'm willing to make to you. I don't know. I need I need Liverpool to be drunk, not you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I but that's I want to be. That's drunk. not helping us. It's not going to help the podcast that night either. <laughs> Nick will donate his quality, liver quality, quality for this content. cause. <laughs> so that's what Wednesday, right? So we've got a couple days yep. uh, to to recover, get ready for that. Obviously, Liverpool have had a little bit more rest because of it. But I'm not Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm not going to make. Yeah, it. we should complain. I'm not going to complain to the FA for it. <laughs> All big teams want fixture congestion. We got it. So let's go out there, and take care of business. Anyways, again, we want fixture congestion. Yeah, because that means you're in a lot of cup competitions. Uh... Yeah, not just. It's a little extreme right now. So, anyways, uh, if you aren't making. Good use of your time. Go over to We Ain't Got No History on SB Nation. Check out Peasy's name's all over it. He works hard on it. He does a really good job with it. Obviously, if you're not familiar, they helped literally launch us and keep us moving. To the sun. Uh, well, oh. we're, we're still oh, on trajectory. Uh, but if we wouldn't have gotten onto you guys' page right away, those downloads are pretty small at the beginning. It might not, mm. not have kept up with it. So... Anyways, it's been fun hanging out with you guys. Just there were still quality downloads, though, even if there's. It's slow. true, but it's like I said, Aww. go check it out. Thanks, mom. You guys do a great job over there. Want to give you the credit you're due, Dan and Nick, gentlemen. As always, thank you. But the listeners, you are the best part of this. And look, last shameless plug: get in our Discord. It's an absolute blast right now. So much Chelsea and non-Chelsea uh, related topics. But that's gonna wrap us up until Liverpool. So one last thank you, DPZ. And that's going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Flying high.